And the only solution to your problem is surgery. What about football? And he goes, well, there's probably no football. You're probably done. What? Like, Mm -hmm. how is that possible? I don't like, I, I don't, I can't see my life without football. It's impossible. If it wasn't for my own personal journey through that, um, I, I wouldn't have found this really cool thing. And I remember holding like a, a couple grand or whatever in my hand at the end of the month and being like, oh my God, I could, I could do this. Welcome to Gut Check Radio, the health and wellness podcast, giving you the confidence to trust in your gut. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Belden, a board certified chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. And just for those of you who are aware, the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only and are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition and do not apply any of this information you hear in this podcast without first speaking with your physician. My guest today is the wonderful Dr. Tony Katakis. This man might be one of my favorite humans. He not might be, he definitely is one of my favorite humans to talk to. He's one of those people who is just a spitting image of positivity and spreading the good word. And he's just someone, he's, his energy is so infectious that when you hang out with him or when you talk to him, he literally makes you want to run through a wall, but not even in, it's not even in this sort of rah, rah type of way. He just has such positive energy. It, you just can't help, but also feel that as you leave the conversation with him. And the bulk of what we talk about today as this podcast is all about is exploring the many a gut check moments Dr. Tony has had along his journey. A little bit of background on how I know him. So he's one of my good friends from graduate school. We actually met at a career fair and we got introduced. Someone said, you should come meet this guy, Tony. And we we started talking for a little bit and we realized that we had read the same books. We listened to the same podcast. Essentially, we were both health weirdos and, and we essentially have been pretty good friends from there. And he also, I had a, an injury to my shoulder but about two years ago while I was doing a little more intense CrossFit training. And I got to the point where I really couldn't do a lot of overhead work. I couldn't really do much gymnastics anymore. So I sought out Tony, worked with him for a little bit. He got me all good and right. But you know what the even, the cooler fact about that was I was planning, I was still in graduate school. Tony had recently graduated from the school that I went to and he was about, he was still newish in the practice. And so at, at that point, you're still, you know, you could still use some help with the finances. And I went in with the all intent in the world to pay Tony. And after I see him for the first visit, he goes, Nope, don't pay me. He literally would not let me pay him. And even better than that, after we finished with our treatment program, I paid him without even telling him it without even telling them. And then he Venmoed me the money right back. <laughs> so it's just a guy that really just wants to see people succeed so well. He's had so many series of events take place as, as we all have. But he said a couple in particular that we really highlight here in this podcast about his obsession with football in high school and how a doctor telling him he'd never be able to play again because of a hip injury. And then his mother telling him, hey, no, maybe there's a different route eventually led him to find chiropractic, continue to play football all the way throughout college and ultimately lead him to where he is now and having this full flown facility of working with athletes of all disciplines, NHL, MLB, college football, NFL, and the dude has just earned every bit of what's been given to him. He's grinded his tail off and he's really worked to the point he's gotten to today. And for those of you who want to know more about where you can learn more about him, he, you can find him on Instagram. He has a fantastic Instagram. If you go far back enough, you'll probably find me on there. 
Hustle is a hip mobility program, which is a primer to a way you can stay mobile and stay active. And then you can also work with Dr. Tony if you live in the St. Louis area. And as he gave a little teaser for us, he's also working on a virtual presence up here in the future. And you can find all of that information in the show notes. And without further ado, let's go on to my conversation with Dr. Tony. You know, like, how do I, how do I, how do I get like, I feel like that's the, that's the key to like internal marketing there, right? Like if I can get the mom to nudge her husband in, or if I can get um, the kid to bring in his mom, mm. especially like day one, bring the mom in and then like yeah. feel, and then like be like, oh, hey, by the way, I don't just work with athletes and blah, 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 you know, and then that could turn into the mom, which then could turn into the dad. And then, you know, the families that send the dad, that is so interesting because yeah. that is so consistent. Yeah. Well, because there in so many instances, you know, obviously gender roles are a different thing in 2023, but the male is such the, the household maker or such like the, they, you know, they should be the one guiding the family. So if their guide is in your door first, hopefully they will guide everybody else in hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the guy, like if the guy is making the money, then you're going to get less of like the, oh, what are you doing spending yes. you know, two grand this last year at elite sports medicine in the Chesterfield Valley, you know, like, there's no, there's no like, and like the dad in that family, that's my top patient. He sees me the most. Interesting. So yeah, you, I mean, you win the dad, you, you got, you got something going on. Do you have a preference versus working with the entire family versus just an athlete? Or do you have, obviously you're, you have your own niche, but do you have a, a preference? Uh, I, that's a good question. It depends if the family, so like if the family owns a business, they typically beat to a different drum, you know, like mm. they, 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 they're just different. The parents are different. They're not like just normal, regular population, like mouth breathing, asleep at the wheel, uh, type of people. And, and those people are out there. Right. And those aren't my ideal clientele. My, my ideal clientele is basically two things, athletes and active people and business owners. And it turns out most business owners are also active people and they have kids who are athletes. And I like those people because they, they want more, they want to optimize, they want to perform at their best. They give a shit and they're willing to pay for whatever's going to get them better, you know, and, and, and of my top 100 patients from that Jane report, I was talking about the majority of the top 20 of that top 100 don't come and see me for an injury. Mm. They come and see me for better movement and performance. So try to explain that to like, you know, uh, some like person who doesn't even care about their health. Like, you know, it's different when you have excruciating low back pain and you can't get out of your truck. Okay. That's an immediate need. That's an immediate pain. You're looking for help now. I get it. Happy to help. But if I can in that process, convince you that it's worth it to try to optimize your movement, to try to optimize um, uh, your daily habits, to try to uh, uh, basically see that you have one body and to mm. do something about it. Like if I can get you to realize that, then like, you know, then that's my ideal clientele, the person that realizes that. Mm. So you, you know essentially. 
yeah yeah and it, but yeah like i love yeah i could i could nerd out about that all day yeah uh and and it it turns out that like you know most athletes most college athletes pro athletes, whatever um they 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 nerd nerd out about it too and they really care about it too um and then uh uh basically like through that process of also working with business owners who are extremely successful and like 30 steps ahead of me i learned so much some of my biggest like mentors in life are some of my patients mm. right people who 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 run publicly traded companies people who own multi multi-million dollar businesses people who um people are self-made people even with generational wealth like there's all these like mixes of of inputs that i get from a business perspective um and just like intellectual stimulation that i just i love you know and i could sit there and hang out and talk to that person all day long and 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 they value their health so like even better mm. would the tony of 10 years ago valued all of that you think mm, uh i was a normal person about about 10 years ago about maybe maybe slightly more i was a normal person maybe about 11 years ago because mm. everything changed for me uh everything changed for me back when i was in uh undergrad my sophomore year of undergrad i went from you know and i could go into my whole story and everything do it um it's what it's okay. all about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i essentially the reason I'm a chiropractor, the reason I'm obsessed with movement and health and all that stuff is because uh, when I was in high school, I cared about two things. This is my my story. Two things. Number one was football. I didn't care about, you know, I didn't care about the party. I didn't care about the basketball game. I didn't care about who was playing on TV. I cared about my future with football. I was obsessed with football. I had two other brothers that played football. I idolized every college football player you could imagine. Uh, I grew up in Michigan, like I, I Michigan and Michigan State football, 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 football. Everything was football. Rough weekend for the Michigan football faithful. Oh, tough. <laughs> yeah, tough. yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But uh, I and, and my high school football team was really good at the time too, and I was the water boy since I was like in sixth grade, and I, even into my freshman year of high school, which is kind of weird if you think about it. But I was just so involved with the program, so bought in, loved the head coach. Uh, great guy. But um, the second thing, of course, was girls. So it was like chasing football, chasing girls, chasing football, chasing girls. That 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 was my my young, young mind. And then eventually um, the football thing I started to uh, excel at because I put all this effort into it and, and it was starting to pay back. Uh, but there was one day where I had a hip injury, um, but it wasn't necessarily trauma. It was a repetitive hip injury. And I was getting it every time I pulled my knee up to my chest when I was running. So it was like a flexion based hip pinching. And uh, come to find out like all these orthopedic surgeons, I go to all these people I say, Oh, you have hip impingement. Like, okay. I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I was like, okay. Uh, you know, what is a hip impingement? What's a, what's even a hip? I didn't even know what a hip was, you know, like I knew that there was something in there, but I didn't know what it was shaped like or how that affected anything. And um, eventually I went to all of the orthopedic surgeons in Michigan, because, um, you know, we just wanted a couple of opinions and then they all pointed to this one guy that everyone like feared, loved and respected. And was like, okay, if you want hip advice, go to that guy, he's the hip guy, you know? And so I go to the hip guy 
uh, I wait in his office for like two hours. Um, you know, it's a sterile, like just depressing, cold, no music environment, pre-cell phone. So like, you're not sitting there scrolling on your cell phone the whole time. You're just staring around. Like I thought my appointment was at five and then we're pushing seven o'clock here, you know, that kind of deal. And then finally, this guy strolls into the room all flamboyant and says, oh, you know, like pulls up my my CT scan and my MRI on the hip and says, oh, well, you know, your hip is shaped like this. And because your hip is shaped like this, there's, uh, you know, you're having some labral damage within the hip capsule itself. And the only solution to your problem is surgery. And, uh, uh, you know, any questions, basically. And I was like, uh, well, well, what about football? And he goes, and I was a junior in high school, by the way. So like, I still had a lot of time, although right. time was, you know, ticking and I was running out. Uh, he goes, well, there's probably no football. You're probably done. And I was like, what? what? Like, hmm. how is that possible? I don't like, I, I don't, I can't see my life without football. It's impossible. So then, uh, we drive home and it was like an hour drive. And this was like back in the day where like your mom took you to the doctor everywhere. Right. So like the whole ride home, I'm like bawling my eyes out. My dreams are crushed. My life is over. I might as well just like freaking, you know, Stop pull the door open and, and tuck and roll, you know, like maybe not even roll, just <laughs> see you can't happens. tuck your knee up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, and, and so like my, my world was crushed. And then my mom with some random stroke of faith, said, uh, I think we should avoid this surgery. Um, let's go, you know, talk to some people on the other side of the coin. So then I went to a Cairo, like a straight Cairo who looked at my pelvis and my spine and everything and, and took x-rays and kind of the whole deal, kind of like the, the classic model of, of, of kind of like straight Cairo's in Michigan. And I, I, he's like, well, you know, we might not be able to help your, your hip, but your pelvis is doing this and yada, yada, yada. Let's see what happens. I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, like I don't, I, I, the, hip, the, hip, the hip guy said I needed hip surgery. So what are, what's my mom know? What does this guy know? And at the same time, I was going to an athletic republic in Detroit. I was working with an athletic trainer and like, uh, he's kind of like a physical therapist uh, who looked at my function. So he was looking first time, first time, two people, separate silos, but still first time, two, two different people looked at my body for more than just the hip. They looked at the foot, they looked at the knee, they looked at my pelvis, they looked at my core. And they looked at the the things I was doing and the exercises that I was, you know, working out with and, and my muscle balance and all this stuff. For the first time, two people saw me for more than just a hip. And the combination of those two people working together allowed me to function better, allowed my pelvis and my core to function a little bit better, allowed me to have better foot stability and knee stability. And of course, we did stuff for the hip specifically. Mm -hmm. And through that process, I never had hip pain again. I never had surgery I went on to play great in high school and I got, you know, an academic and athletic scholarship to play four years of college football. And mm. I, I went out and I, 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 you know, that was my dream. Right. And, uh, and that's, was like, like I was able to live my, my dream because these people saw me for more than just a hip. So then I've dedicated my life, uh, to when I work with people, when I work with patients, I dedicated my, I've dedicated my life to looking at the big picture, looking at the full body, looking at the, the whole 
being, right? If you come in with a hip injury, I'm not just going to look at your hip and I'm not just going to look at an image of your hip. I am going to get you on the table, move that thing around. I'm going to get you on the floor and I'm going to have you move around. I'm going to see what your function uh, looks like. And I'm going to, I'm going to find out where you're at and I'm going to see how I can maybe optimize your structure. So you're not plowing through your hip or whatever it was like in my case. And, uh, and, and I do that every day. And I tell that story to patients all the time who are just like me back, you know, when I was in that situation and I've helped so, so, so many people avoid unnecessary surgery that, you know, they didn't need, or, or was, Mm -hmm. was, you know, not, you know, just, just wasn't necessary, um, by giving people hope or a separate opinion. Um, yeah. So then I guess that brings me into, um, the next thing that we, that we were talking about. Um, uh, you said would the, the Tony of 10 years ago care about all those things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when I was in, in college, when I first got there, of course it was still football girls. Right. And then it wasn't until like, I kind of had to think about like, what, what was I going to study? What was I going to declare as a major? And then I realized like, holy cow, these two people back in Michigan gave me this, this, this massive gift. And like if I could go and do that for somebody else, I would be totally fulfilled. That would be the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I could work with athletes and like, you know, people who are obsessed about this stuff, just like me, um, I would be totally fulfilled. And it turns out I was right. Um, but at that time, uh, I also kind of woke up and I was like, well, if I'm here to serve a greater purpose outside of, you know, running with running with the football in my arm and 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 then chasing the girl after the game or whatever it is, you know, like, like stupid young college kids do, you know, what can I do to maybe contribute to this world? And that's when I really started to kind of dive in, into to my own health, into my own body, into my own function, into my own, uh, you know, improvement. And that's when I kind of took ownership over my body, my health, my mind. And I started doing all kinds of wacky stuff like meditation. And I started drinking smoothies and I stopped, you know, I stopped boozing like a, like an idiot. And I stopped, uh, you know, I stopped eating crap, uh, because of the time you're like, Oh, I'm in college. Now is the time to eat really cheap, high preservative, like junk all the time. And it's totally acceptable. Sweet. So then like you, you, you eat like a child. And then at some point, if you don't wake up, maybe that becomes your reality. But luckily for me through this process, I woke up and cut all that stuff out, uh, basically became a health freak overnight. And, uh, you know, 12, 10, 11, 12 years later, since my, my freshman or sophomore year of, of college, uh, here we are, man, that impact story gets about as impactful as it could ever be. Do you ever think back to that moment when the surgeon essentially said your life was over and your mom saying, Oh, we can do another way. Had she not said that, do you think you would have gone through with the surgery? Oh my God. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so insane uh, because um, uh, I, I, I think I can, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Like I'll, I still remember to this day, it was a warm spring day for the first time, you know, like in, in Michigan, you get six months of winter and finally you get that first warm spring day and the sun's just beating down. My mom loves gardening. She's outside pulling weeds. I get home from high school uh, well, actually, I joined the track team because at the time of the, the the appointment, I was asymptomatic. I wasn't having hip problems mm-hmm. because I've been sitting around trying to figure out what's going on with my hip. And then this ortho basically told me in order for 
insurance to pay for your hip surgery, you need to go join the, the track team, run the 100 and the 200 until your hip starts hurting. And then once your hip starts hurting, you're going to be symptomatic and your insurance will pay for the surgery. Oh, Isn't that insane? It's insane. Wow. It's insane. And it is like such an abuse of, of power. It's such an abuse of like, you know, your own expertise. And it's so lazy. Yeah. You know, back to that. And this was the guy that everybody referred to as the guy, the hip yeah. specialist. Yeah. And I was so bought in because he had so much confidence and certainty. And, and luckily my mom sniffed through it, I, I guess. Um, uh, but, but I came home, she said that, and I was like, Oh God, like, here we go. We're just going to waste a bunch of time. Mm. No, I, this isn't what I need. I need the surgery. The, yeah. Didn't you hear the, the orthopedic surgeon? He told me. That, oh, so you were like on board with what he said at first. I was on board. Yeah. I joined the track wow. team. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was running, trying to hurt my hip. And I was telling the coaches that I'm like, I'm not really here to compete. I'm just going to practice until I hurt my hip. And then I'll, I'll go get the surgery. Cause that's what the guy said I needed. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So, so if it wasn't for that, man, I, I'm hoping that my obsession I like to hope maybe that my obsession with like football and performance and moving and all that would have eventually led me to the, to the place I'm in, but maybe I would have just been a strength coach or a personal trainer or something like that. Cause I was equally obsessed with, with that stuff, you know, yeah. It, if it wasn't for my own personal journey through the struggle of, you know, your body not cooperating with you or dealing with an injury or whatever, if it wasn't for my own personal journey through that, um, I, I wouldn't have found this really cool thing. I wouldn't yeah. have found, you know, this passion or I wouldn't have found, uh, I wouldn't have been able to receive this awesome gift that now I can go and give to other people. Mm. And when you started receiving the gift, did you think it was a gift or were you just super skeptical when the first couple of times you went to see these people? I mean, I was skeptical. I was skeptical, yeah. but I was also like the one guy, especially at the uh, athletic Republic, like it was in a state of the art facility and it was just like the coolest gym I'd ever been to. And it was this brand new, like multi-million dollar integrated setting clinic with, with everything. And it was like a dream come true to like come there and work out. And I was working out with like a bunch of the Detroit lions were working out mm -hmm. there. And like, you know, I ended up working like there were a couple like uh, NFL hall of famers that played for other NFL teams, but lived in Detroit were there working out. And, and I got to like rub shoulders with them. And I was like, Whoa, this is pretty cool. Uh, and, and through that process, I think I was able to, I was just bought into the facility. I was bought into to that. Although um, they didn't really promise me anything and, and they did point some things out that I was able to appreciate. So I think through that process too, of being like, holy cow, my, my hips are really weak. My, my glutes are really weak. My, my joints and my hips don't really move all that well through that process. I think I realized like, Oh, Hey, maybe there's something here. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the, 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 the results that came with it, like, I just felt better. So I was yeah. like, oh, like, I, if I keep feeling better, then I know I can play. And if I can play, I know I'm good enough to at least get to the next level, wherever that is. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't the most talented player in the world. So I ended up playing at a smaller school. <laughs> and if I was good enough, trust me, I would have been at Michigan or Michigan state, but they didn't want me. Uh, but that was like all I wanted. I just wanted to play at the next level. I, I did. I just didn't want to be done, you yeah. know, and, uh, everything I learned through playing college football too, like you come in as this like cocky 18 year old who thinks they know everything and that, you know, you're way better than you actually are. And then, uh, 
college sports has a way of really humbling you yeah. real quick, especially if you're not the guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 99% of the guys that go and play at the next level are not the guy. It's that 1% that end up becoming the guy and then maybe they get a shot at the next level. Uh, but the majority of the guys are for guys like me who go, you know, you, 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 you just endure four years of, of college sports in my case, football. And, you know, you're just absolutely beat to a pulp mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, your schedule is absolutely maxed out. And, uh, you, and if you're taking hard classes, like I was, as like a biology pre-med major, mm. um, you had to really apply yourself and you had to be really good with time. And, um, it was always balls to the wall. It was always just, you know, your effort and your, your intensity was always pinned. And, uh, it's kind of funny cause that's, that's how running a business now. Yeah. Is. And that's kind of how Logan was when we were in chiropractic college. Like you're taking all of these classes and you're trying to have maybe a social life and you're trying to be involved in clubs and you're trying to maybe work a part-time job and you're trying to go to seminars and courses on the weekends and then maybe if you're a crazy person, like, like people like you and I, like you're also going home and you're studying something outside of the curriculum that interests yep. you. Yep. <laughs> or you're doing you it know, during the class time. You're listening to podcasts and your drive, like, you know, that, and that's, I guess, through the process of like playing college sports, it acclimated me to that environment. And then when I got into a place um, that was, you know, as fertile uh, 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 for, for growth mm-hmm. as, as our, as chiropractic college was um, where, you know, like I met people like you who are on the same page um, that through, like, I was able to really cultivate that, that moment or those years, uh, which then slingshotted me into kind of the, the position I've been able to be in now. Right. Were there any people on your college football team that were health optimizers at that point, or was it just every classic stereotypical 18 to 21 year old? Oh, I mean, maybe, maybe one or two, but not, not as crazy or hippie. Um, I have a really good buddy who ended up going on and, you know, he's like super into natural health and and he's a total hippie. Uh, he's a personal trainer now and, and kind of performance coach. And he's been all over the world or like all over the, the spectrum of, you know, mobility training to strength training. And mm-hmm. he's kind of wacky. And then I have another buddy who, um, two buddies that uh, were kind of big fat linemen who uh, went through like a weight loss journey after the, 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 the football was over mm-hmm. and they were really smart. So they were on their way to medical school, but you, I watched them like transform their bodies and then like go on to medical school and, you know, start to actually take health seriously. So the rest were all stereotypical (laughs) (laughs) dudes crushing beers and slamming plates in the weight room, you know? Yeah. And then you go out and crush it on Saturday and then you just never think that's going to catch up to you. Nope. Nope. (laughs) What I love about that story, you said something earlier that when you were, went to one of the guys facilities and there was NFL players and hall of famers in that facility and like, wow, this is so cool to me. That's so cool to hear because I don't think you at that moment could have imagined, I'm going to talk you up a little bit, that that is sort of the facility you work out of now. Like you have the who's who of athletes coming into that place from NHL, MLB, college football, probably even NFL. So for Mm -hmm. you, do you ever just look back and think, wow, I at one point probably never could have seen this? Uh, Well, you know, it's funny. I remember that guy, the the trainer, athletic trainer guy, who was kind of like my PT rehab guy at that facility. Um, <laughs> I remember talking to him 
and at the time I didn't know I was going to go on to chiropractic school and grad school, like all that stuff. Um, I remember talking to him and thinking like, thinking I was going to go into performance coaching and stuff like that. Cause speed and agility and strength training and all that was awesome. And I was like the coolest thing I would go home and research it after doing it all day, you know? Uh, so I guess I've always been crazy. It just depends on what the, the thing I was crazy about. Um, but I remember telling this guy, Oh, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to play football and I'm going to graduate. And then, you know, I'll start out at a facility like this. He kind of looked at me like, well, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm ending, I'm, I'm ending my career at a facility like this. Cause he was kind of mm-hmm. old, long gray yeah. hair, uh, like uh, Einstein a little bit with straight hair. Cause he had the glasses too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm ending at a facility like this. And I'm like, huh, well, you know, it was always the vision. It was always the dream. And uh, man, if I, it, it, it's crazy some you can get into some secret law of attraction stuff but i've been drawing diagrams and floor plans and layouts of basically the place i'm working at right now since i was an undergrad mm. since i knew it existed and uh, i've been thinking about <laughs> I, I i i have journals and stuff that i carry with me that that probably have the exact floor plan i'm working with right now or wow. something similar to it yeah um, or maybe something similar to what will be the next step, because at some point, like, you know, there's there's going to be an evolution of that space. And and I, I, I'm fairly certain I'm going to be um, part of that, you know, I'm yeah. going to, you know, help take it to the next level or, um, you know, build something bigger out or, or whatever it is. Uh, but not like to, to break off, but probably to partner with the people there, because it's also it's a triple net lease and there'd be a lot of advantages for us to, to take it somewhere else. Yeah. What do you think has led you to have such conviction for nearly that decade? Cause I'm sure there've been so many moments along the way where you felt like crap, this isn't going to happen or I'll oh, shoot this, this won't work out. You know, I'm sure there's been so many things that have just attempted to beat it out of you, but it yeah. hasn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just blind enthusiasm, dumb luck, uh, or, or, uh, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm just real. I've always been really passionate. I've always been very enthusiastic about this kind of stuff. Um, I love the, I love obviously helping people with, with, you know, similar situation that I, I, I've suffered through myself. Um, but yeah, you know, like it, it didn't always go this way. It was always, I, I almost sold out at one point. Like I almost went and worked for somebody else in this clinic that was nothing like what I wanted to do because, I was, I was scared, you know, like yeah. coming out of school, you're broke, you're 225, sometimes more hundred thousand dollars in debt. And, uh, you're, you feel naked in the wind, you know, you feel like you don't have anything. And I knew I didn't want to go back up to Michigan and I wasn't really all that sure. I wanted to stay in St. Louis, but there was a guy that approached me who was like the team Cairo for some really big, you know, major sports teams in St. Louis. And he said, uh, well, you know, and this was like four months before I graduated. He said, well, if you can commit to St. Louis, I got a spot for you in my clinic. I was like, oh, interesting. Up to this point, I'd been obsessed with researching how to run a business, how yeah, to run I remember practice, that. Yep. How mm-hmm. to, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, wow. Well, then 
I guess maybe I need a mentor, you know, like maybe mm. I, as if I didn't already have like eight of them. Yeah. I was like, well, maybe I need a mentor to like, you know, walk me through the process and maybe I could take the easy safe way and just, you know, I can get into all these other teams and clubs and organizations and I'll just, I'll do that. And then, you know, through that process, uh, it just took a long time to get put together. And I had been working at the gym I'm currently stationed at like where where I ended up starting my practice I worked at that gym it's a big 20,000 square foot facility with a bunch of athletes and um, sports that that kind of live within there from baseball football hockey uh, uh, soccer those are kind of like the main ones there's a volleyball court in there and then a lot of strength conditioning and speed training um, and so in and, and, and a physical therapy clinic which I'm kind of inside of uh, running my own thing um, but I I uh, I, I thought that, you know, I wanted to go work at the big box or that not the big box place, but the mainstream place. Mm -hmm. And um, it, like I said, it was taking a long time and I had an opportunity. I met my, my homie, my best friend, Jeff Lavecchio, who's like a really big hockey strength conditioning coach here in St. Louis. And we both kind of, he retired from hockey and really was going full time and was really trying to find his stride. I had just graduated from school. I was still kind of hanging around the facility. I kind of started to talk to him and get to know him and see where I could provide value to his guys. He was training like a hundred hockey players in the summertime who are all home from, from, you know, wherever they were from or wherever they were playing rather. But um, he basically put me on and he gave me an opportunity to, to work with his guys. And, you know, we rolled something out stupid, cheap and 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 really easy for guys to just say yes hmm. and through that process and me getting my feet wet i made money for the first time and i was like what, what is this and i was loving what i was doing and i was getting to work with some amazing athletes you know guys literally my 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 clinic was packed with nhlers who were making millions of dollars and, and i was like this fresh graduate out of school and they were listening to me and they were like the most respectful cool people and they were you know, coming in and telling stories and cracking jokes. And it was like, like, it was a dream come true. That is and many Cairo's dreams. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it just like buzzing. It was the best thing ever. And, and, and my, that's basically because my buddy put me on because he saw that the value um, that I could provide and he kind of gave me one at a time. And then as you know, he saw that, that I was able to plug some holes or help people in certain situations, he started pushing me everybody. And then after that process, I was like, oh, there's something here. I don't have to sell out. I, I can do my own thing. Hmm. And I think that really was probably an act of God. Like I can't think of uh, other than like my mom telling me not to have the surgery. That's probably the second most significant like moment. Although that moment stretched over the course of like two months. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was a very important uh, time where I went from the lowest of lows, you know, at the time I just graduated Cairo school and and all of your friends in Cairo school are from all over the country. So all my buddies move away. Now I got no friends. My internship's over. So I got nowhere to go over there. You know, like the guy I was supposed to work for, I could hardly get a hold of. Um, I had this facility I was already working at and that was already, that's really the only thing I had. I, I, I had been in a relationship at the time that just ended. I had just moved to a new apartment and uh, my roommate was like, you know, he, he was on break or something. So it was like the quietest time. I had no one to talk to. All my friends were gone. I had zero certainty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
and then what it came down to is just kind of like showing up every day, providing value and, uh, and yeah, yeah. Just, just showing up and trying to provide value and, yeah. and then through that process, made friends, made connections and, and people referred me people. Yeah. My man. I mean, what, what got, what were you, what was your mental space getting up every day for that two months period going to, what were you telling yourself just at some point this will end You know, yeah, I just got to do this. And then something will happen. Like, did you think a break was going to happen? I it was so, I was so, it started as just like a deep depression. I was going there and I was just like killing time. I was shooting hoops. Um, I was, you know, working out every day. And then all of these pro hockey players that were working out with my buddy, Jeff, they were all starting to pour in one by one. So like the guys who were playing overseas were the first to come back. Then the guys who were playing in the, the ECHL, which is like the lowest minor league, U.S. Uh, minor league hockey, uh, they started to come back. And then the AHL, which is like AAA of minor league hockey, uh, they came in. And then finally, the NHL started to pour in because the NHL season just, just finished. And, and, and so these guys are popping in one by one and the group's getting bigger and bigger. And I'm showing up as this bro with a cutoff shirt and shorts on working out and lifting weights. And they're like, you know, they're, they're seeing me as just like another gym, bro. And, and then there was like one moment, like, you know, Jeff started giving me a couple opportunities and I was like, you know what? Like, I got to stop aimlessly wandering around. You know, I got to stop looking like a gym, bro. I got to stop feeling sorry for myself. And so every day from that point on, I came to work with dress shoes khakis mm. belt polo tucked in looking like a professional and that changed everything for like my brain my mind my mindset uh and then also just like my appearance in other people's eyes and then people stopped seeing me as this gym bro and they started asking me about their their shoulder pain or their neck pain or whatever it is and uh yeah and then and then it was all born from there mm, man but at the same time though you had you had to been all the prep work you had done, the, the dreaming for a decade prepared mm. you for that moment. Cause if you had just sat on your laurels, like some people do when they graduate chiropractic school and then you get out and given that opportunity, it might not have manifested the way it did. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't sexy. Like I, I try to, yeah, I talk to a lot of, of students and uh, because I'm still in Chesterfield where the college is, I obviously just by being around there, I get a lot of students coming around and I get a lot of students that kind of like either shadow or intern or, or hang around. Or if I do talks or events, they come to and they message me on Instagram and I get to know them a little bit and maybe I see them out. You know, I, I, I get a lot of people that, that, that talk to me about this kind of thing. And, and one of the things I, I don't want it to sound like it was sexy or, or that it was easy you know, it was like the hardest thing I ever did. It was probably one of the most depressing times of my life. And I was so broke. I couldn't even afford to get Wi-Fi at my apartment complex. Mm. Yet. So in order to get Wi-Fi, I would go across the street to a Panera and just sit and try to sell up, set up like my LLC and try to like, you know, uh, organize things in Google Docs and send mm. emails and all that stuff. Uh, I didn't have unlimited data on my cell phone. Um and then, and then, uh, I would go, uh, on Saturday nights, this is like, this is crazy. I, I can't believe I'm saying this publicly, but I would go to the facility when no one was there, lights were all off because there was Wi-Fi, and I knew I could like check out and either watch the blues game and watch some playoff hockey. Cause I didn't have cable obviously, 
or I could like pop open my iPad and, and watch Game of Thrones and just get my mind off of the misery of, of everything around me. And I have pictures in my phone of like me and my dog just like sitting in what is now, I guess, my office. But at that time, it didn't look anything like it does now, um, you know, with him with like a bowl of food and a, a bowl of water and me just sitting there with an iPad, you know, depressed as hell with with wi-fi and and a twenty thousand square foot facility that was dark and nobody else in there with me mm. i used to do my laundry in there too because wow. the pt clinic has a, a washer and dryer uh it, it it wasn't sexy and it was really hard but it was that consistency that showing up every day and then you know a hundred bucks turned into 300 bucks 300 bucks turned into 500 bucks and then 500 bucks turned into you know and it would roll on and on and on and then finally like I remember holding a couple grand in my hand cash because I didn't have a payment processor. I didn't have a credit card. People paid me in actual cash, not in Venmo, in cash. And I remember holding like a, a couple grand or whatever in my hand at the end of the month and being like, oh my God, I could, I could do this. This is real. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would go to the grocery store, get a money order and then pay my rent with that. <laughs> money order, my man. Oh, wow. <laughs> So like if anybody hears this, if anyone's like a like a student at Logan, like don't think that like, you know, there was absolutely nothing sexy about the beginning. And it was as humble as it gets. Um, you know, I was I was grocery shopping at Walmart and I was I had nothing. I had nothing. I was getting um, you know, I was getting a dress clothes from from the cheapest, like the 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 on sale section in the outlet store. You know, I I had nothing. And uh, it made it work. Did you think you needed to go through that to be where you are now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I th I mean, I still feel like I'm in the humble beginnings part, you know, like I, I think there's a whole lot more to be done. Um, but yeah, I think I, it, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't go through that, um, there's not much growth, you know, that you have to go through some stuff to to, to experience growth. And I think, I'm thankful for that, you yeah. know, and sometimes when things are too easy, I try to make things a little harder in life. Like, you know, I've been taking cold showers every day for like the last two months. I'm trying to, mm. I'm trying to introduce, uh, that, that, that resistance and that, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to make it, um, you know, I'm trying to earn my, my dopamine as mm, Andrew Huberman you says. Would say, yeah, that's yeah. what I tell people. That's what I tell people when they ask about, health in general. I'm like, look, when you really boil it down at some point, you have to generate your own minor inconveniences. Mm -hmm. If you really want to be healthy, because our world is set up to, like you said, get on the easy road and never get off. So unless you deliberately put yourself in challenge, you can go your whole life and not find it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you put yourself through all of that, was it when you then started getting money, was it hard to like, did you still have a scarcity mindset or did you start to develop? Oh, you know, I've earned this. I'm deserving of this. This is, this is me now. Oh, I still, I still have that, that scarcity. Um, it, it, it's bad. And maybe I've always been that way, but like I live so far beneath my means and, and I, I I'm going to continue to do that, uh, because I can then take all the money that's coming in I can plow it into the next step and I can trampoline whatever I've built so far into the next thing. And whether that's a standalone build out, whether that's, you know, uh, uh, being able to hire other people, um, which, which I'm in the process of right now, I hired my first employee over the summer. And now that employee is looking to take a larger role on 
I'm more on like the admin sales business side of things um, where I'm going to be able to focus on more of the vision and, and the actual quality of the, the patients, the treating the patients. Um, and that costs money. And if I was to just like build my lifestyle up to this crazy thing, like I, I wouldn't be able to um, afford those, those growth steps. Uh, and then the other thing, the obvious thing, the elephant in the room is the student loan debt. Like I'm not going to be, mm. I'm not going to be irresponsible with a ton of student loan debt hanging over my head still. So I'm going to get to the point where I'm so um, financially comfortable. I can just pay that um, and really start to hammer down at that, um, you know, and, and I, there there's, I, ha- I went through the advisors and everything like that. I paid like a student loan advisor to look at my stuff and they said, well, you're basically going to have to pay for it. So, you know, it's up to you. What do you want to do? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I live very frugally and I try to continue to do that. And I, I don't do a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, I don't go on a lot of fancy vacations or that kind of thing. And if I do, it's a lot cheaper than maybe it looks, uh, you know, and so whatever it is, I'm basically saving my money and I'm putting it back into the business or, um, you know, or people within the business. Mm. Do you feel like you're at a point now where you, or let me actually, let me re-ask this. Are you at a point now where you prefer working on the business or in the business? Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely, I love working on the business. I'm, I'm a visionary by, by nature. Um, and so, uh, I, I definitely, uh, tend to lean that way as opposed to the integrator. You know, I can, I can come up with the vision. I can see where the, the, the thing, the ship has to sail, uh, and, and sometimes completing some of that stuff is the difficult part for me. So that's why I've had to bring in other people. That's why I've had to lean on other people to help me with some of that stuff. And in the beginning, that was the hardest part coming to work and not knowing where the next dollar was coming from and, you know, living on a budget and all that stuff, like, which I still kind of do. Um, that was the easy part, but like, getting the admin stuff done and getting, you know, the bookkeeping finished and getting the taxes in order and, you know, uh, setting up the new account for whatever, or getting the business banking stuff wrong. Like all of that stuff is a nightmare to me. Um, I like working on the business. I like working on the vision. I like working on, I love being creative kind of within my, my space. Um, of course, I love working with patients, but I do that. Um, uh, if I do that too much, and if I'm treating patients all day, every day in the business, I'm so exhausted that I just, you know, then I just skate by in other areas. Yeah. And then you can't actually run the business. And that's so weird that you spend, you pour your heart and passion into what the business actually is, but then to actually make it a business and not just a job, you actually have to step out and not mm-hmm. do the job as much. It's it, it blows my mind every time I think about that. Yeah, I know, I know. Especially in our industry where you're, uh, it's 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 a service, you know, like you're and you're you're helping people with their problems and you're face to face with people all day long, and uh, it's incredibly exhausting. It's incredibly exhausting. Um, not every day, but 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 a lot of days, it it takes a lot out of you. And if you do that for you know, 30, 35, 40 hours a week, that's a long time to be in front of somebody face-to-face solving somebody's problem. Somebody comes to you because they're in pain or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's really hard to maintain that. So being able to dial those, those hours down at some point 
and uh, still treating patients and still keeping my, you know, my hands dirty and in the mud, hmm. um, I think is important. But uh, being able to put other people in place so that I can steer the ship as opposed to scrub the deck mm. all day. That is like the the dream. That's what I love. Mm. Steering the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you, have you always thought of yourself as the visionary type? I get, you know, when you're drawing out all these plans, when you're 19, 20, even think back to when you're 14 or 15 playing football, did you, like you said, you had this vision of where you thought it would go? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've yeah. always been a daydreamer. I've always been like, you know, the, I I've always, um, I've always been a big picture person, even in school. Like, like we, you take phys, so much physiology in chiropractic school you, and, and in undergrad and, and biochemistry and all this stuff. If I sat there and just tried to memorize the molecules in like a biochemistry equation or whatever, or whatever it is, it doesn't make any sense to me. But if you can tell me that in the liver, this is taking place because of this, and then start to fill in the gaps after that, like it's, it comes way more naturally to me, you know? And so like, if we're talking about beta oxidation, if I know like what's going on and and why it's there, I can get behind that. But if you just like in like general gen chem, uh, for example, in like undergrad, if I'm just looking at balancing an, an equation, I'm like, why are we here? And why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. So, um, you know, I've always kind of, I, I like the big picture. I like seeing where things are moving. And I like trying to play chess as much as I can with those big pieces mm. uh, and not, you know, not getting too caught up in, in the little teeny tiny details. Yeah, if you get too caught up in there, you there's no point almost. And unless, unless you are a PhD deliberately studying that mechanism and that enzymatic process, it's almost it's fun though sometimes because it sort of distracts you from your problems. <laughs> then you step back, you're like, oh crap, there's someone coming in in 20 minutes. Got it. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you so people probably, I don't know if you like to think of yourself as people probably see you as the movement guy. So does that, do you ever feel self-conscious about your own movement practices? Mm-hmm. Well, I, that's the other thing with working too much in the business is that you don't have any time for yourself. So sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I neglect myself in order to facilitate the needs of others. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's the hardest thing. I do stay pretty strict though with, with at least exercise, right? Like I am four to five times a week. Uh, consistent with with workouts. However, um, I struggle sometimes when I am bogged down or I'm spending too much time treating patients in person. Uh, with um, I struggle with with following through with like mobility practices and stability practices and and all that. And um, you know, and and but also talking about like how I'm able to serve that person that I was 10, 15 years ago. In my struggle to implement better movement practices and in- integrate better movement practices into my day-to-day life when it's not easy, through my struggle of figuring it out on my own, I'm able to help other people who are also busy, right? So how the hell do you have time to do mobility or whatever when you got three kids and a job and blah, 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 blah? Well, do you drink coffee in the morning? Okay. Yes. You drink coffee. Okay. When you're drinking coffee, I want you to move your arm like this or do controlled articular rotations, which are our cars. If somebody looked that up on Google, they'll find tons of videos, morning coffee routine with cars. 
right? Okay, you have time for that. Do you take a shower every day? Yeah. Oh, okay, you take a shower every day. You can do these movements in the shower, right? While you're warming up and yada, yada, yada. Um, do you, you know, whatever, do you work out? Yes, you do. Okay, before you get into the thick of your workout, you can go through this routine and it won't take you more than three or four or five minutes, right? At the end of your workout, you can do this routine and you might as well do it because you're not going to do anything anyway, except scroll on your phone in your car in the parking lot. So like finding these little moments through my own struggle has helped me help other people. So of course, um, I would love to sit here and be a, you know, statue of David and be the perfect ideal, you know, uh, mobility man or whatever. But uh, yeah, I struggle with it too. And, um, but I think through that struggle, one, I don't let it beat me. Like I don't let being busy beat me every time. Uh, and, and through struggling through that, I can help other people who are, who are also dealing with it. So, mm. you know, and I have, yeah, I have so much respect for, for you guys in the movement space, because when working with people on nutritional habits, people are going to eat regardless, like no one is taking up. Well, I mean, some people probably are alternate day fasting, but for most people are going to eat three to five times a day. So you're going to eat, might as well make it, the choice is a little different, but like you said, in your space, people have to create time to do these things, which is probably that much harder to maybe I could be ignorant to get the buy-in to get them to stick to the habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For the non-athletes. Yeah. Or maybe and, even and what, for the athletes. Right. Oh yeah. And, and what's the classic saying? Like, Oh, I went to so-and-so and they gave me all these exercises and what did they do? Nothing. Mm, nothing. Right. Yep. And so like, it's a, it's an uphill battle and also using things like, like software and apps where I can track and see like, is so-and-so logging in? Yes or no. If they're logging in, are they completing it? And uh, maybe they're completing it, but how often are they completing it? Are they sticking to the program? And then uh, maybe they come in the next time and they're not seeing results. I can be like, okay, what are you doing? To, you know, uh, when you're not with me, what are you doing on your own? And um, you, with, with, by leveraging some of those tools too, um, it's helped. But but yeah, like you said, it's it's very much an uphill battle. And that's another thing. Like when we graduated, uh, well, at least like I can definitely speak for myself. When when I graduated, I thought I was going to change the world and I was going to save the world and I was going to help all these people. But then you get out in real life and you realize the majority of the world does not want to be saved. And I remember being told that and I didn't believe it. But then it was when I was going out of my way above and beyond trying to help people with this thing that I knew I could help them with and they couldn't care less or they don't do their exercises or whatever. So then I niched down I try to niche down to the population that actually does care, right? Because I am going to put so much time and effort into this. I want to work with the person who's going to match that, right? Because I cannot possibly care about your body more than you care about your body. Mm. Like that's just, that equation is not balanced, right? You cannot delegate your body to somebody else. So you have to take ownership of it. And, uh, but like the biggest challenge, I guess, maybe in that more unmotivated crowd that, that, you know, bottom 80% of, of, of people that walk through the door who, who are kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, big, big, the big part of the job is to try to motivate them to want more for themselves. Right. Mm. Is to, you know, see that, you know, there's, you have one body and that you should take care of it. Mm. And do you feel as though, do a lot of athletes understand that? Or I feel as though a lot of people have this idea that athletes have everything dialed in. I mean, even at the professional level, especially 
So have you seen in working with a lot of them? Oh, wow. They don't even know this. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and it, that, yeah. It, rem- it, it makes me think of the high school athlete. There's kind of two high school athletes. There's the ones that really want to be there and that are obsessed and that have that goal and have that vision. And they'll do anything you say. And the other ones that are just kind of there because parents are there their parents want them to be there. Their friends are there or whatever, and they enjoy the sport. Maybe they're good at it, but they just, they don't really care that much. So there is two categories there. Um, and then you'll be, you know, you'd be, you'd be blown away by, uh, you know, college athletes are, are, are kind of hit or miss too, but then, then pro athletes, typically I find that pro athletes are willing to invest in whatever, but they, uh, the, especially the young ones, they don't get it until it's too late. You know, mm-hmm. the young ones, like the 22 year old NHL or who signed a $3 million deal for, for three years or whatever, or, or two years, um, they think that one, they're rich. And now like, I don't have to worry about anything else. You can't tell me nothing Two, because now that they're kind of famous in their own little bubble, uh, you know, they're going out and they're having way too much fun and then they lose focus and, you know, maybe they're really, really good and they don't have to do all the stuff to, you know, be the best of, of, uh, the best that they can. And they can kind of just show up and be great because that's just how they are. Uh, and and they don't go out and try to to squeeze every last drop out until it's too late. And mm-hmm. and that's typically where I'll see the coin flip completely. You'll get that guy who maybe signed the NHL deal, but then didn't really pan out. And then he went to the AHL or the ECHL. And then now he's got to maybe play in Europe or overseas or go wherever because it's just not working out. And then that guy all of a sudden is dialed and is hitting you up and wants to do extra stuff. And uh, and not just with me, but with trainers and with all this other stuff, um, you know, so you do see a lot of that and it's the best thing ever when you get like a young pro who's completely dialed, who's like, not just happy about being there, but wants to be the guy or wants to have a second contract or a third contract or a fourth contract or whatever. And, uh, and maybe even wants to be a hall of famer or whatever it is. So like, when you can find that person who is so bought in and, and even has the talent to, to maybe carry themselves there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like literally the coolest thing in the world. Do you ever look at that person and think, ah, oh, that that's kind of me. <laughs> well, that was what I wanted to be. Yeah. That's what I wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the NFL world, like some, it's so refreshing because the amount of college guys that I've seen, um, who are really, really, really good in college, who were like unbelievable athletes, not make it at the NFL and, you know, not get a call back. And it's like, how did that guy not make it? You know, it, it, I've seen that happen so many times at the facility I've been in, like major D1 schools, like major SEC, uh, ACC, Big Ten schools, starter, three-year starter, four-year starter, SEC All-American or uh, SEC, um, um, all SEC first team, or even like a college All-American. Um, I've seen those guys not make it, not even make it their rookie year, not get mm. anything. And uh, when you finally get the guy who like just, you know, does everything right and just gives his heart and his soul and he makes it, um, it's the best thing ever because uh, because it's not only just me. I've seen so many guys also go through that and give it their all and not make it. And, um, it's really rare when, when they do. And 
it, it it's like you know it's like a unicorn it's the coolest thing mm, yeah you see that they the work paid off and that it was all for nothing and you wonder for that person like when you were in your two-month depressive state did they ever think a break was going to come and then it finally comes and they're like oh my gosh i'm going to the nfl you know it's just like <laughs> you it's almost like you said that sort of like false or false not false hope but the belief that at some point this is going to pan out mm -hmm. yeah mm. oh yeah 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 and it's the best it's the best when it happens like yeah this happened to uh to one of our guys this last fall he wasn't supposed to make the roster and he made the roster and every writer uh for that local team all like the local sports writers were saying, Oh, he's going to get cut. He's going to get cut. And they were saying that for like four weeks straight going into the final cuts. And then this dude freaking made it. And, ah, oh, man, like it was the most emotional, like incredible experience to see somebody like persevere and push through it all, not get drafted when 17 teams told him that they were going to draft him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, after he thought he did everything right and played at a major D one uh, big 10 school for four years, you know, started as a freshman um, and played four years, like did everything right. It was an absolute force. And uh, after being like completely let down, thinking that his dream was over, just like still grind it out and show up every day and give it everything mm. and, uh, made the team cut veterans to keep him. Wow. You know, so like when that finally happens, and then now like he's, he's, he's playing special teams and he's grinding and he gets on the field sometimes, but like, he's still, he's still there, you know, and to see that is like the coolest thing. Yeah. Mm. I want to pivot to not full pivot, but like 45 degree pivot in the nutrition space. There's so much dogma and so much religion. And I always wonder from people that are in the movement and rehab space, is there that same level of it? Or is there a lot of camps of people of, Hey, if you do this, you can't do that. Walk us through that. <laughs> I think now that I think that the, the internet did that, right? <laughs> True. Like the internet made, you know, your political party is now your religion. Your, your diet is now your religion. The way that you move and stretch is now your religion. And I think it's, it's absolutely the case in the movement space where people are very dogmatic with their approaches. And it's insane. Cause like you watch all these people come out of the woodwork and say that, Oh no, everybody's been doing it wrong. Everyone's been doing it wrong. <laughs> I've found, I've invented single-handedly the one way and through this approach you will solve all your problems from, you know, brain fog to fatigue to low back pain with sciatica. You know, like there's so much of that coming out now with, with the internet. And I think, and this, I guess, um, is an important point. Um, I, and of course, like through this process, I've had to try to create my own filter and create my own uh, frameworks essentially. And so what I've basically dedicated my professional uh, 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 continuing education, um, uh, I guess journey to is going to all these things and seeing what's the coolest part of this that I can take with me. What's the coolest part of that, that I can take with me, especially in the movement and like even manual therapy world. Um, cause there's a lot of good stuff out there, but it doesn't have to be through this one dude's lens on the internet. You know, mm. like I can, I can find, Hey, this guy's got a lot of good stuff or this person's got a lot of good stuff that, um, I can use and I can leverage or that I can learn from, uh, and, and I'll use that, but then, you know, I'll also blend this stuff over there. So I'll take kind of like a, 
a three-part approach. Part one, if you come to me with pain, I'm going to find out what strategies I can use to to decrease your pain, whether that's a movement solution, whether that's like an at home, whatever solution, or like a soft tissue or, or needling or whatever it is, we're going to find a thing that can decrease your pain. And in my world, it's non-pharmaceutical, but if it's bad enough, I know some people that could give you maybe a, a steroid oral steroid dose pack that, that could kill your, your low back pain. Um, second part, like that, I, I typically try to help people with is your mobility. So if you have a joint that's not moving well or is stuck or something's wrong with it. Uh, we can do a lot of things for that joint. Um, meanwhile, you also have these things called muscles and soft tissues. So if something's wrong with those, we can do things for those things too. So if we can get you out of pain, that's cool. And then if we can get you moving well, again, that's cool. Uh, and then lastly, if I just move you around or if I just strip out a muscle or if I just, you know, move a joint and I don't teach you how to reintegrate that into your activity or how to, you know, uh, uh, basically um, uh, perform at a higher level now as a result of all the cool stuff we did before, um, you're going to come back the same person next week in most cases. So I try to use that three part filter. And when I go to all these different soft tissue seminars with complete different ideologies and ways of looking at things and assessments and all that, I can take the best things and I can put them into my system by just following what anatomy is there, right? Mm. Um, from a movement perspective, from a stability perspective, I've gone to so many courses and gotten so many different certifications and whatever. And I've taken the cool, the most relevant pieces that I need for the person in front of me. And I can kind of mold it into to something there. Um, there are multiple camps that say this is the one way and there's no other way to do it and that you shouldn't do it any other way. Um, and I've, I've tried my best uh, to stay away from, um, you know, planting the flag and, and being rigid and saying outside of this, there's nothing else. Mm. Yeah. And creating a problem that might not be there, making people feel worse for doing something that's not, that's benign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All for the sake of what, for the sake of, of being right on the internet. Like, yeah. I, I think with nowadays with social media and memes and meme wars and people just sit around and talk about how smart they are and, 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 and basically uh, uh, confirm their own biases with, with memes you know, like it's, it's insane what, what the internet has, has brought us to. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's more of an internet thing. And I, that's probably that whole dogma thing is probably true for, you know, it's probably true for photography. It's probably true for videography. It's yeah, probably for, true if you're for, an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're yeah. an accountant, if you're, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like if you're a financial advisor, like yeah. think about all the different ideologies that are out there for, for teaching people how to manage their own money. I you know. know? It's mm. insane. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's just the internet. And I think maybe that's how humans evolved by being contrarians, you know, and seeing things differently and then battling it out and finding out what the, what the truth is. Um, but but maybe it wasn't so complicated then as it is now. True. And speaking of finding that truth, is there anything in the health and wellness space over the last three years that maybe three years ago you thought it's definitely this, and now you've had a total change of heart and been like, it's definitely not that? Oh, man. Um, uh, that I mean, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think when I first got out of school, I had a pretty narrow tool belt. 
And I thought everything could be solved with, you know, an adjustment in developmental kinesiology. Mm. And then I, I realized quickly that that doesn't solve everything. And, uh, there are other situations where you might need to pull something else into the equation. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, uh, and and through that struggle, through that process, I was able to to make mistakes or even worse, not help people. And which kept me up at night and made me scramble to figure out what else can I learn or what else can I find to help this person. And even if it's certainty or confidence from me as a provider, or if it's just, you know, hey, I completely missed this whole thing in front of me. And, you know, maybe this is a peripheral nerve entrapment and I was trying to dig out a bicep, you know, or whatever it was, or, you know, uh, uh, there, 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 when I first started, I thought I knew everything. And then I, you know, you, you, you go out into the, the real world and you learn from the, the school of hard knocks that you don't know anything. And then you become very consciously incompetent. Mm. And then through that process, maybe you learn something and become a little more confident every day. Every day we try to be less wrong. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Like when, when you just look at, through, when you're just learning from the internet or from a course or from a book, everything seems so simple yep. and everything seems like so easy. And then you get out into the real world and it's like, oh, wow. People you aren't know? algorithms. Wow. Yeah. People aren't algorithms. algorithms. I know. Although yeah. I love to think that way still to this day, it helps me organize my thoughts. Yeah. It doesn't always work. Yeah. And, but it's funny that a lot of our world operates off of that. Yet the people creating them don't kind of a, kind of a weird paradox, but I don't want to, I don't want to take too much more of your time. So Tony, if people want to learn more about you. Where can they find you? Social media, you know, plug your stuff, pay the bills, let them know where they can <laughs> see your beautiful face move. Thank you, sir. Um, I am on Instagram, basically just Instagram, uh, Dr. Tony Katakis, um, D-R-T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-A-K-I-S. Um, in my bio, I have two options. I have uh, an option where you can book uh, an appointment with me. And if you're not in St. Louis, I do virtual consultations. So that's something that I just added recently. Mm. Um, and then also I have kind of a teaser for some stuff I'm working on right now, more in the virtual side. Uh, I have a hip mobility um, program that people can do from home. It's only like 30 bucks. I did it with my buddy, Jeff, that, that hockey coach I was, I was referring to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's yeah, 30 bucks, one-time purchase, no recurring. Um, and it's just like a quick little introduction to getting on the floor and moving your hips around and, and, you know, getting more out of your, your lower half and future. I will, uh, eventually um you know start to move into that online space a little bit more but for now uh taking care of the uh the main thing yeah i like that but still dipping your feet that yeah, seems to be where a lot of us are headed probably for the right yeah right yeah, oh, yeah 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 help more people exactly yeah so we'll put all that information in the show notes and Last question I like to ask everybody, since this is Gut Check Radio, and we've essentially, we've explored a lot of your Gut Check moments in life, but what is a most recent Gut Check moment you can think of and walk us through what it felt like as you were going through the depths of it? Hmm. I mean, aside from like some of the stories I already told that were like pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much 
exactly you know that 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 <laughs> having to really dig deep and, and have faith um and and just keep keep working keep showing up keep grinding uh oh, i really think i don't really want to think about this for a second yeah it could be personal well, i mean if you obviously depending on how much you want to disclose professional fitness business oh dude yeah fitness oh you know me so uh i'm a meathead right i am a meathead that's how we bonded (laughs) i'm uh yeah that's how we bonded um that's what started the bromance uh but but i you know i played running back slot receiver in college i was always like a quick twitchy guy um and somebody was like i had an intern this time last year who loved endurance running and i hate endurance running hated endurance running it it, it was not my thing it's not my thing um he just kept talking about the benefits of endurance running or you know uh uh lower intensity endurance exercise throughout the course of a week and number of mileage uh per week uh, that correlated with like an increase in um uh life uh expression, longevity yeah. longevity all that yeah. stuff and it's like oh that's just not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'll go for a run. And then, uh, it felt great. And I was like, okay, uh, maybe I'll do that again on Thursday. Like, okay. That was like a Monday. Did it again on Thursday. I was like, oh, that felt kind of good. That, that, that felt, that felt cool too. Uh, maybe, uh, next week I'll run again. And then I just kept doing that. And then my brother, uh, was getting married in Greece this last summer. And so I was like, you know what? I've been to Greece before and the weight rooms there suck if they're mm. even there. Yeah. Like other than lifting heavy rocks, I don't know what <laughs> I'm going to do there. Uh, I'll pack bands, of course, which I did. But I knew I needed to find some other source of exercise. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll start running just to enjoy running so that when I'm in Greece, I can go for runs. So I was like, okay, cool. So then I did that and I just kept going. And then I came back and I was like, well, I still like this run th- running thing. I, I, you know, what, what do I do next? And then an idea kind of came to my head that scared the crap out of me. And that was like, Oh, maybe I should do like a half marathon. And at this point I had never ran more than like three miles. And I had like a month, month and a half to run 13 point, whatever it is. Um, And I was like, wow, I've never ran for longer than like, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, And so I just, you know, I signed up for the thing and I trained and slowly ran a little bit longer, a little bit longer, nine miles, uh, you know, 10 miles got like, I I ran for over an hour for the first time. I was like, Holy cow, this is like the craziest thing ever. And then finally, uh, worked my way up, showed up to race day, you know, as a meatball, grip it and rip it. I, I walked up to the, to the line. I, I ran the whole time and I ended up like, I probably in like the top third of, of males my age or, or maybe even overall, I can't remember. Um, but that was definitely something where aside from like the business stuff where like, I'm good at grinding and showing up to, 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 to the business and, and, you know, working, but when it comes to like endurance, that that's not my thing. Uh, that was definitely a moment where I had to, to overcome some inertia. Wow. And mm, that's (laughs) knowing how much we bonded over meatheadedness. I can tell that that was probably a very big mental (laughs) shift and I'm both proud and disappointed the fact that you ran out <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I became a, a skinny meathead for, yeah. for a couple months. I think that's why they create CrossFit so people could do both at the same time. Joan, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for taking the time. Thank you, sir. And everybody, always. always fun to talk. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, everybody.
Thank you all for trusting me to be a part of your day. If you enjoyed the show and found it informative or entertaining, we invite you to share the love by leaving a five-star rating or review on your podcast platform of choice or by sharing this episode with your family and friends. And until next time, trust in your gut.